basketball is not the main thing in my life. Uh, it's uh, something that um, I'm good at. I'm just happy that as a team. You know. NBA Strayer, how are you going? Hang on. I hope you're all right. This is the post-finals proper kind of NBA Strayer. I am your host, James Clements. Uh, I'm the editor of CodeBet. That's a good website. Go check it out. Uh, you might have seen this podcasting mug of mine on Fox Sports Lab NBA as well. Or you can see me in the paper all the way around the country every single day. I'm here in Larry Armour Studios hanging out, giving you the lowdown on all the ins and outs of the NBA off-season. That's right. It's the off-season. Ah, oh, come on, man. I mean, jeez. Yeah, it's going to be fun on the bun. I mean, it might be fun on the bun, but I still just love basketball too much to not have basketball. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, uh, we're repping Australia a bit, but that's it. We're done with the season. Uh, so we'll just do a quick little show today. Wrap up from the uh, wash-up, I guess, of the finals. Jumping in pools. Jokic losing the finals MVP trophy. We've got to, uh, we'll go back over those winners and losers that we briefly had the other day. Uh, the Raptors have a new coach. Brad Beal's open to a trade. We've got some year nars, and that'll basically be it. Um, popular opinion of the day, Outback Takeouts. We were serving up a flame grill take. And a, uh, Andrew Gay's Great Mummer Award for outstanding achievement in the field of excellence. And then we'll start thinking about draft and free agency and all that sort of gear. Uh, but that's it. Fun show. Let's get into it. Episode 950. That's right. 950 shows. Jeez. Let's go. This is Joe Ingalls, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack. Well, you better, you better, I don't know, watch out for the forgetful Serb attack. <laughs> so we'll start today's show the way we start every show here at NBA Show, the daily. It's a whip around. There you go. A bit delayed, but it's all good. Uh, the daily whip around. Uh, the forgetful Serb. You've got Nikola Jokic. Hello. Uh, admitting that he sort of put the finals MVP trophy Uh in the room with the air equipment manager, and he doesn't know where the fuck it is. Cool. Nice. Uh, not only does Nikola Jokic apparently not really give too much of a fuck about, like, you know, winning the finals MVP, he's just like, yeah, good good game, everybody. Great game. Just saying, it's getting a little bit weird now, isn't it? It's like, nah, nah I didn't even want to win finals MVP. All right, all right cool, man. I didn't want to win final. I didn't want to win the MVP this year either. It's like, all right, man, cool. We won the title. I just want to go home. It's like, all right, bro, cool. You can be happy. <laughs> like, it's cool, but it was nice to see the wash up from a lot of the uh, finals gear. Um, after we did the show, very very quickly after the game five win for the Nugs, we saw a very very nice uh, Vlako Kankar just absolute. Fucking awesome bomb into the pool. Uh, but Jam and Jamal Murray getting thrown in by the Joker. Pretty neat. Joker just going, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. 
<laughs> which is one of the more relatable vibes. I'm just sort of sitting there. I'm at the, you know, taking the squid to the playground. I was like, I just want to go home and sit out, just hang out. Come on, man. Uh, but I love it. It's kind of weird, right? It's like just Joker. I love that he sort of celebrated with his missus and this and the kid and they're having a great time and the brothers and it's very cool jumping in the pool, all that sort of shit. Very fun. Very cool. We can go home now. The job is done. Not everybody likes their job. I don't know. It's like, yeah, some people like their job. I like my job. Nikola Jokic is getting paid substantially more than I am to do my job and he apparently doesn't like it. I don't know. It's kind of weird. But either way, the rest of it was great. You saw Aaron Gordon walking the streets of Denver shirtless. Uh, when you got a rig like his, I think I would just never wear a shirt, basically. When you got a rig like mine, you're always wearing a shirt. <laughs> like, always. And you've got a rig like Aaron Gordon, never a shirt. Like, every day is fucking summer. I'm just like, guns out, off we go. Let's do it. Um, but otherwise, I mean, you've got... Joker now looking at the World Cup. He's thinking about it. He's not entirely sure if he's going to play. No one's really sure. That's kind of neat. But otherwise, like the rest of it's kind of like Jimmy Butler said that his ankle was fine. He's not going to give any you know excuses, which sounds like an excuse to me. Um, skipping the excuses, but otherwise, uh, it was kind of cool. We're going to have the actual parade in the next day or two, which is kind of fun. We'll see if they get up to any more shenanigans. And, I don't know, you had just Joker, like the pictures of him just going, just standing there having those little moments of like, I don't really want to be here. I want a finals. I just want to go hang out with my horses. It's like, all right, man. Cool. I mean, if you don't want to hang out and do that, that's fine. But still, what are we doing here? Um, Otherwise, Nuggets had a great time. And I really liked Michael Malone going, yeah, man, like, job's not really done. We're going to keep winning more of these motherfucking things. And you're like, but, Michael, you can just, just fucking pump the brakes for a second. It's your first one in franchise history. First title in 47 years. You can just say, yeah, it feels fucking good, man. Wouldn't mind to win another one, but at the moment, look, we'll take this. <laughs> it's good stuff. Uh, other news. Toronto has finally announced their new coach, Darko Rajakovic. That's it. Uh, out of Memphis. Uh, he came over with Igor Koskakov. Uh, kind of cool. Don't mind the call. He's a great sort of seeming uh, player development guy. And, you know, another big Serb. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Uh, he's only 44 as well, but in that very uh, Serbian kind of vibe, he could be aged 28 to 59, I reckon, and you wouldn't blink when they when he told you his age. So, um, But look, I think this is good, and it does sort of signal to me, what does it mean for Toronto? I feel like we might get a bit of a fire sale. Like Fred Van Vliet, the fight in Van Vliet's, uh, he's a free agent. We might see OG moved. I've got a feeling that uh, Yusai, Masai Ujiri is just going to be sitting there going, fuck, man, what could I have gotten for OG and Anobi at the trade deadline? Two firsts? Shit, why don't I take it then? Fuck. Ah, oh, that sucks. Ah, <laughs> oh, he'd be spewing now. Because now he's looking at a team, he's like, I've got Pascal Siakam, Scotty Scoob Barnes, the OG Ananobi, Teenage Mutant Jakob Pertle. Maybe I stick with it, but I don't know. You might see an entire tear down there in Toronto. Who knows? Um, 
I think getting in a big player development kind of dude like that is pretty massive and it usually sort of spells out, yep, we're going to maybe rebuild a bit. We'll see what happens. Uh, The other sort of big news was Brad Beal. Bradley Beal uh, is kind of out there going, oh, geez, yeah, it wouldn't be be the worst thing if I got traded. And you're like, oh, fuck, here we go. Brad Beal, the most overrated, uh, air quotes, star in the NBA. Tell me what you think Bradley Beal has achieved in his NBA career. Just tell me. What do you think he's actually done? If your answer was nothing, (laughs) you'd be fucking bang on. Seriously, the dude has been in the NBA 10 years and has done absolutely fucking sweet dick all. He's made three all-star teams. He averaged over 30 in one year. That's pretty cool. Great job. The same time, did he average those 30 points a game while playing a full season? Why no? He did that while playing 57 games because Brad Beal is always fucking hurt. He had two really good seasons, 17, 18, 18, 19, right? We played all games. Either side of that, he's played 56, 73, 63, 55, 77, 57, 60, 40, 50. I'm no math magician, (laughs) but if you're routinely playing about two-thirds of the season, I don't really want you on my team. Simple as that. Oh, but Jimmy can shoot pretty good, can't he? He's a 37% career three-point shooter on not a giant amount of attempts either. So it's kind of that vibe of like, yeah, he's fine. Last year he shot 36.5% from three on 4.4 attempts. You know what he shot? How many attempts he had in his first year? 4.2! What are you doing, Bradley Beal? Shoot a couple more threes. When he averaged those 30 points a game, he was at 8.4 three-point attempts a game, right? Year before, 7.3. Year before that, 6.5. Cool. You know what his free throw attempts are at the moment? 4.6. That is fucking nothing. For a premier scorer in the NBA, he's been around 10 years now, that screams to me, oh, shit. (laughs) He's 29, and really, this is the guy. He's about to turn 30 in a couple, uh, literally like next week, two weeks. And I don't know. He's basically the Ray Allen, right? The Ray Allen of 2008, who was coming off a couple of good seasons. Obviously, beside my good uh, my good pal Rashad Lewis there in Seattle. Uh, they had done some good things. They'd made some playoff runs. Uh, and Ray Allen, at that point, was 30-31 in Seattle his last year and then gets traded to Boston, wins the title in 08, of course. Uh, but Ray Allen averaged 26 points in that last season he had in uh, Seattle. But he was taking eight threes a game at that point. Ray Allen, one of the all-time premier three-point shooters as well, of course, shot 37% that year, 41% the year before. Basically 40%, 40% in the next couple of years in Boston. Off he went. But that's kind of the dude, right? Like, not qualified enough to be your one guy. Probably not even really qualified enough to be your number two guy. If he's your number three dude, fucking here you go. Let's do it. That's the thing. Boston, 
if they want to trade for Brad Beal. Oh, Jason Tatum and Brad Beal are best mates because they are from St. Louis. <laughs> I fucking love You know how many people are from St. Louis? A lot. Oh, man, we're brothers, though. We're brothers. All right, cool. You go out and just, like, check out that giant big fucking bendy monument in St. Louis all the time. Radical. Anyway, uh, but to me, Brad Beal is like that third dude that you bring in and go, yes, this is the missing piece. Weirdly enough, the absolute optimal vibe for him would probably be uh, the Lakers. The Lakers. The Lakers stink! Well, they did after they realized, ah, shit, Austin Reeves might be our third best player. If Brad Beal is your Austin Reeves, then you're in better shape next to... LeBron and Anthony Davis, right? But just in terms of sheer dollar amounts, it's you just can't fucking do it. This is the thing. You look around the NBA and you go, where does he fit? Does he fit next to Tatum and Brown on Boston? Maybe. But what are you going to give up to go get him? Like, Washington aren't going to go, oh, good. Malcolm Brogdon, Grant Williams, Derek White, and a bunch of your shit first rounders. Thanks, Boston. But also, no thanks. The Knickerbockers is probably where I land, where you go, if you put Brad Beal next to Jalen Bronson. But the thing is, you're then kind of still lacking that third star. I do really like him in Dallas. He doesn't have to have the ball in his hand. You've got Kyrie, you've got Luka, you've got Beal, you've got an extra scorer. But the problem is, that's not what Dallas needs. (laughs) They don't need that at all. Memphis have already got Desmond Bain, who's basically better than fucking Brad Beal now, though nobody wants to admit it. What I did like when I started thinking about this just that little bit more was going, hang on, what about Sacramento? Oh, you little beauty. That's where I sort of landed because you go, oh, we've got Kevin Huerta. It's like Brad Beal is like a juiced up Kevin Huerta. Fox, Sabonis, and Beal sign me up a little bit more there. Uh, but in terms of other teams, I mean, look, Minnesota have already got Ant-Man and co. there. Uh, you've got Philly sort of kicking down the doors, going, we've got Joe Embiid, he'd be Brad Beal, would be awesome. It's like, yep, sure. Are you going to give up Tyrese Maxey to go get Brad Beal? I kind of wonder if you want Maxey and Beal and then you just fucking try to figure out everything else around it, around Embiid. Uh Otherwise, like maybe the Pacers, I feel like he's just like, again, a supersized buddy healed. Uh, the Bucks, if they get rid of Chris Middleton, maybe that works. Maybe the Heat, he and Jimmy Butler, they do need that sort of extra scorer, that shooter, but that's what Tyler Hero is meant to be. Maybe the Hawks, if you go Trey Young, if we can move DeJunte Murray, off we go. We've got two point guards, and if you've got two point guards, you've really got none, let's be honest. So maybe you go, well, Brad Beal then. That's all good. Utah, I don't mind that idea next to Larry. That's a girl's name, Markinen, but they still don't know if they're coming or going. The Blazers next to Dame. We've already got Anthony Penny Simons, Shaden Sharp, and the number three pick. I don't know if a pivot to going, here, Dame, here's Brad Beal, is the smartest idea. The Suns have already got Booker. The Clippers have already got George and Kawhi. <laughs> <laughs> now, the Pelicans. Ooh, the Pelicans. The Pelicans or the Charlotte Hornets, where they're the sort of smokies where I'm like, hang on, what do you reckon here? Charlotte next to LaMelo would be pretty funny. Uh, the Pelicans, 
in place of CJ McCollum. The thing is, like, the Pelicans have got a shit ton of, like, first rounders they can sort of throw at you. There's a couple of other players they could sort of throw at you too. Maybe the Pels. They're also sort of seemingly kicking the tires on some Zion Williamson trades, though, so we'll see what happens there. But either way, the Brad Beal thing, look, uh, Michael Winger is coming there as their new executive going, yo, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> Seriously. We've got a dude with a no-trade clause. Are you fucking serious? So anything that we cook up, we have to then go to him and go, what do you reckon about this? And he can nay or nay it. Taking the piss, says Winger. Um, so then you probably see, if Beal gets gone, then you probably see the Extreme Zinger Meal. The Extreme Zinger Meal. Follow him closely out the door as well, but we'll see what happens. Uh, one of the other trade rumors out there in the moment, Carl Anthony Towns. Hey, Cat. How high are you right now? Oh, bro. Uh, speaking on the Pat Bev pod, because everybody needs to hear from Pat Bev apparently, uh, when my time is up and I retire, there will be people saying that I changed the game. Oh. Wait, they'll be saying that you changed the game, Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, yeah, man, nobody as tall as me ever took this many threes. I don't know if that changed the game, bro. I'll talk about that in a second. But, yeah, not great. The difference between what Carl Anthony Towns thinks he is and the reality is, like, wider than the Grand Canyon. I've been to the Grand Canyon. It's pretty fucking big. Just saying. Just saying. All right, let's uh, rehash those uh, winners and losers from the other day following the finals. Oh, my God. I won! I won! Ah! <clears throat> Recapping our day's top story, the winner of today's state lottery is me, me Kent Brockman. <clears throat> Can we get a shot of me? There you go. Uh, right, winners, obviously Denver. And the Denver fans, like, this is crazy. It's like something I never, I didn't really quite dig into, just like the fun uh, Nuggets history. Because, I mean, if you're like me and you grew up watching the NBA in the 90s, you're like, oh, Dikembe. I love Dikembe Mutombo. And you're like, yep, Dikembe Mutombo was awesome. Of course, they did also knock out my beloved Seattle Supersonics, and uh, that broke my heart and still does to this day, where it just fucking kills me back in 1994. Uh, it was the eight seed over the one seed in a five-game series. You bastards. Uh, but either way, those Nuggets teams were always really weird and funky. Not funky, funky. They're like Lafonso Alice teams. Uh like Reggie Williams, Robert Pack and co. Love Robert Pack. Bison Dele was on those ones too. Darnell Me, beloved Aussie, Darnell Me. <laughs> Mamoudou, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. It was all Brian Stiff. Ah, oh, they were classic, classic, classic teams. I loved them. Uh, and then you sort of hit those sort of weird uh, late 90s nugs where you'd still have like, you know, Lafonso, and it's just like, can he just stay healthy? Can he? Apparently not. They draft Antonio McDice. I always loved Antonio McDice. They had Jalen Rose. They didn't know what the fuck they were doing, though, really. Um, that sort of 95, 96, 97, and then they absolutely just plummeted, right, with McDice and uh, those horrible, like, 97 nuggets or whatever it was. I think that, yeah, 21 and 61, looking at it. Just absolute brutal gear. You had the Alice's. That's right. You had Mark Jackson on that team. 
Irvin, not so Magic Johnson as well. Uh, but Mark Jackson, just like, I don't know, man. Denver, I'd knock it right out of the park. But then you sort of hit those like bizarro, strange, very cool uh, late 90s ones where they were still just kind of shit, but they were just like a little bit funky. Like they had some horrible, like 11 and 71, 14 and 36, and uh, like just a really wonky set of teams. But that's when you had the Chauncey Billups sort of come up. You had Antonio Dice. You had Nick the Quick Van Axel and stuff. And, uh, you know, they were at least kind of funky and weird. Got a little bit better. Dan Issel was coaching them as well for a little bit. Popeye Jones, Rafe LaFrance, George McLeod. But I always loved McDice. I love that Ron Mercer ended up on that team. I always loved Ron Mercer uh, coming out of Kentucky. But the Van Axel McDice you know, run was really cool and really fun. I loved it. Calbert Cheney. Who else was on those ones? Tracy Murray. I love that. Yeah, good times. And uh, then they sort of transitioned to the mellow sort of bits. And you're like, that's cool. That's cool, man. Uh, you had the Marcus Camby vibes too, right? So uh, after they sort of get to that point where it's like, oh, shit, we've got Camby. We'll hang out. They then sort of like pivoted pretty quickly as soon as they sort of got mellow, right? After that first rookie year, you had Camby there with him. And then they started getting just kind of better. And you go to the awesome, weird George Carl series and uh, they get Nene, Kenyon Martin out of the Nets, Andre Miller, and they just sort of turn into that weird, awesome, fun, strange AI mellow nuggets and by the time what 2010 rolls around they're like pushing the uh 09 it was wasn't it yeah 09 they make the uh, western conference finals and um go all the way basically with uh the lakers to where it's like a trevor Ariza inbounds that basically fucks them up so um but that was the chauncey phillips birdman mellow anthony carter and age of one howard ai Ones. They were awesome. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. The nine. And then, yeah, into the tens. Off they go. Send off Mallow. Uh, send off uh, your man's AI. And then they sort of go downhill again. And it was just like, it's been such a weird franchise for so many years to see them win the title. It's just fucking cool. Like, that's just my history with the Nugs, let alone <laughs> the rest of the uh, rest of their, you know, organizational history. Uh, the Joker, obviously a big winner. Finals MVP, even though he's losing the thing. But this just, you know, 25, top 25 all time. It's hard to sort of jump him into a top five centers of all time sort of thing because you go Kareem, Wilt, Shaq, Hakeem, Bill Russell. Like very quickly you go, all right, who's he better than? And you go, oh, that's a bit tough. He's a two-time MVP. I'll pay it. But he is the very best uh Lowest draft pick ever. Right? 41. Probably beating out Manu. Like, the dude's got two MVPs, a finals MVP, and a title. Um, you got a couple of other ones. Draymond and stuff, obviously, second rounders. But I'll take Joker at this point. Uh, other winners. I want to say big men in general. Like, they're going to get paid as people try to figure out, oh, God. So in the West, we're going to go through Joker. We're going to go through Cat and Gobert. We're going to go through... 
Wemby. We're going to go through Chet Holmgren, though that probably won't be very hard because he's the size of a fucking stick insect. Lowry. AD. DeAndre Ayton. Sabonis. Jabari Smith Jr.? Question mark. <laughs> Zion. Yeah, look, there's a lot of big dudes all of a sudden, so... Um, Kind of like that. But Aaron Gordon, loving this. Big winner here, there. Uh, Michael Malone, a big winner. That's very, very cool. Like, to be the son of a coach and then win a title is fucking gnarly. Jeff Green, everybody loves El Jefe. Uh, Ish Smith, 47 million teams he's been on. Finally gets a title. Good on. DeAndre Jordan, I didn't really bang on this the other day, but him getting a NBA title before Blake Griffin and Chris Paul is fucking hilarious. So is Reggie Jackson beating... Russell Westbrook out for an NBA title. That's awesome. Thomas, not Kobe Bryant, getting traded from LA to the Nugs and winning the title. Hilarious. Love it. Zeke Naji, Flacco Kanka, Peyton Watson, Christian Brown, Jack motherfucking White. Boom, 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 boom. Jam Jamal Murray. Can't imagine the shit that his wife pulled on him the other day after that. Uh, and Michael Porter Jr. For all the shit that he got, he bounced back in a big way in game five. You love it. But in terms of other winners, look, I think just, look, Heat Culture has another bit of a glow up, obviously. I'll tell you what, though. In terms of other winners, it's probably not, you know, Adam Silver. It's definitely, obviously, uh, Stan Kroenke, that fucking weirdo. Now he's won a Super Bowl with the Rams. He's won the Stanley Cup with the Avs. Now he's won with the Nugs. And I think they're lacrosse team one as well. Now it's just Arsenal just going, oh, man, come on. Why are we copping this? But, yeah, some good weekend, well, good winners out of the finals. And I think what you'll see now as well, a lot of teams, I think we're winners in general, right? Because this is a homegrown contender where they drafted Joker, developed him. They drafted Jamal, they kept him, and they developed him. Michael Malone could have been fired at many other points. They stuck with him. They stuck it out. Paid off. He was an excellent coach all this playoff run. Simple as that. They just made some really good moves around the edges, right? They drafted Michael Porter Jr. They made the trade for Aaron Gordon, made the, uh, you know, the Jeff Green signing. They picked up Bruce Brown when no one else really wanted him. Awesome move. That sort of shit. Getting the notorious KCP, though. People go, oh, Bruce Brown's like, the KCP move is fucking awesome. And... Because you just go, well, what do we need? We need a rangy 3 and D wing. And there's the notorious KCP right there. It's fucking beautiful. But yeah, the weekend, I mean, just in terms of winners from this finals, the Nuggets, the concept of team building, it feels pretty good right now, right? Super teams, are they dead? Kind of. Golden State drafted all their dudes, then Kevin Durant glommed on to get two fake rings. Uh, the Lakers traded for everybody. Waited for LeBron to sign there. The Clippers traded for everybody. Phoenix, they got Booker, traded for Durant. But Milwaukee, they drafted and developed Giannis. They made that smart move for Middleton. They went all in with Giroux. And, I mean, Golden State last year winning it, that's still like their homegrown talent that basically pushed them all the way. They got Andrew Wiggins in a trade. It's like, I think what you can basically just go is like, all right, well, this is what you hold on to hope-wise if you're a Phoenix fan or a Mavs fan or or whatever, right? Where you go, well, we've got Luka. 
if we can just draft that other guy who can really develop next to him and just be really good, or whether that is Kyrie or somebody, off you go. Or Booker. Well, we've brought in Durant. Maybe this will work. The Cavs, they draft Mobley. They've got Garland. They bring in Donnie Mitchell. Maybe that's the sort of thing that they put around him. The Hawks, we've got Trey. Maybe this is the thing. Orlando, we've got Paolo. Now we've got all of our dudes that we've drafted. What are we going to do? Is it going to be all right? Boston, Jalen and Jason, we're just keeping them together. Embiid on the sixes. Like, it just gives you that little bit of hope. If we can build this team the right way, we'll win a fucking title. What about some quick losers? We're not losers. No, you two are winners, big winners. When I grow up, I want to marry a big winner like you guys. Shut, Shut up. Loser. 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 Uh, Jimmy Butler. Tough look for playoff Himmy. Playoff Jimmy. Goes from dominating to just sort of MIAing. A little bit, and then he had that little flourish right at the end that kept the minute. Nearly got him over the hump in game five, but you're like, yeah, probably could have used that in, I don't know, game four, <laughs> game three, <laughs> the two games we lost at fucking home, Jimmy. What are you doing, mate? But five of 18, he doesn't want to make any excuses. It's also just one of those things you go, yeah, there's a reason why Jimmy Butler's not in the conversation at the end of every single season of like, yeah, he should be the MVP. He picks and chooses his spots, and that's exactly fine. He's a playoff specialist. That's unreal. The problem is he just needed Tyler Hero next to him, so he didn't have to burn all that energy against like Milwaukee and New York in the first couple of rounds where he just basically ran out of gas Like after what game two against Boston. He had 29 in game four against Boston, but that came on 9 of 21 shooting. He had 24 on 21 shots in game six. He had 28, 7, and 6, but that came on 28 shots in game seven. He had 28 on 11 to 24 shooting in game three against Denver, and that was kind of it. He kind of just did enough. He ended up shooting 42% across those last two series after shooting basically 60% from the floor against the Bucks. He had an out-of-body experience. Got them over that hump. Was pretty good against the Knicks. We averaged 25 points, seven rebounds, six assists a game. He had 25, seven, and six against the Celtics as well, but it just, the efficiency just dropped a little bit each time and then he averages 21 5 and 6 in the finals on 41% shooting and only getting the line 6 times a game versus the 7 against Boston, the 10 against the Knicks and the 9.6 against the Bucks, right? So you can't knock Jimmy for trying. He carried that team the entire way. But I think he sort of comes out as like a bit of a ah uh, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. You can't actually just do it all by yourself as a 33-year-old wing. A bit of a tough one. Another big loser out of the finals, Joel Embiid. Oh, but Jim, he didn't even play. Yes, that's the point. He didn't play in them. And now everybody's going, fuck. Well, we screwed the pooch on this one, didn't we? Giving Joel Embiid the MVP because his feelings were hurt that he hadn't won it before. And we didn't want to give Joker three straight because he'd never won a title. And, of course, he throws it in our fucking face and wins the fucking title. History will not judge that one great. <laughs> That is a, like, hopefully, if you're a Sixers fan, this lights a fire under Embiid's ass, right? Uh, James Harden. Why is he a loser, Jim? Oh, the Sixers are not desperate to re-sign him. No shit. Uh, can I fire this one up? Oh, duh! Did you not want the oldest shit 
chunky shooting guard who can't get any lift anymore. Wow. Can't me surprised you don't want to pay him a fuck ton of money. What did he do in the playoffs? Oh, that's right. After the first couple of games, fucking nothing. Harden is shit. And I've, long, I've said this for fucking ages now. The fact that Daryl Morey has such a hard-on for James Harden, somewhat ironically, like, is Morey hanging out at these strip... Does, I think Daryl Morey just wants to hang out at strip clubs with James Harden more. He's like, nah, nah, man. Nah, man. James Harden is a great hang. I have the best time when I'm with James Harden. It's like, yeah, but not to the fucking detriment of your basketball team, you dunce. These fucking nerds. You get a couple of titties in your face and you're like, ah, this is my best friend ever. What are you doing, Daryl? Get your head out that stripper's butthole and get to building your fucking team around Embiid. Jesus. Nah, but I really love James Harden. No one cares. He's shit now. The boy can't hit a shot. He's cooked. He's cooked. Uh, other losers I mentioned the other day, Russell Westbrook, <laughs> Reggie Jackson winning a title. You just know that Russell Westbrook put his fucking fist through a wall. Uh, Bones Highland. Oh, I want to go play with real winners who know how to win. <laughs> oh, what a dumb fuck. Uh, the Morris Twins, they're just going to be dreaming of uh, that next snap from Joker forever. Um and, of course, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, when my time is up and I retire, there'll be people saying that I changed the game. Yeah, in they'll be saying how uh, you change the game by being a soft as charming toilet paper big man who doesn't rebound, play defense, and just jacks threes, and you ruined basketball for other big men after you because they all thought you could shoot threes as well. And that's just game-changing shit right there for really crap big guys. Great job, Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. You change, you change the game. You change the game by making a quarter of a billion dollars and never getting out of the first round. Oh, this dude changed the game. He shot lots of threes and never contributed to winning much. Really changed the game. <laughs> what a dumb fuck. Uh, Kyle Lowry, a uh, bit of a tough one for him, but I feel like he's sitting there going, oh, man. I had to make all these weigh-ins and we didn't fucking win the title. Jesus, rough as guts. Uh, Duncan Robinson, he's sitting there going, yes, mate. How good was I in the finals? And Pat Riley's going, yes, mate. You played very well. And now I'm going to fucking trade you. Sucked in, dickhead. Thanks for building up your value again, Duncan. Uh, Other losers, I mean, it's probably the likes of Tyler Hero, where you're like, yeah, you didn't get out there and you didn't boost your trade value at all, but you're probably still going to get shipped out this offseason as they try to bring in Dame or Brad Beal or something. And I'll tell you what, Brad Beal next to Bam and Jimmy Butler, it does kind of like work for me, I'm just saying. Uh, So there you go. A couple of winners and losers. Giannis is a bit of a loser, I feel like, because everyone's like, oh, it's the decade of Giannis now. Look at this Bucks team run rampant over everybody. And everyone's like, Wait a minute, the Nuggets are all really young. Oh, shit. <laughs> Who's going to beat them? Nobody can beat them this year. And they're all in their prime. We're fucked. Like, that's kind of what that one felt like, right? Because I think you've got Bruce Brown, 26. KCP's 30. Aaron Gordon's 27. Joker's 28. Jamal Murray's 26. MPJ's 24. Like, there's a couple of years right there where they're still in their prime. So, I'm just saying... Kind of leads us into our first year now, which will happen right after... 
Peace. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington, or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. 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 Alright, let's do some Yanars. Brought to you by the NBA Australia Shop. Get your merch. Get your merch, get your merch. Wear it. Get your merch, get your merch. Get your merch, get your merch. That's right, go get a hoodie, get a t-shirt. Just click through nbaaustralia.com slash shop. Or click through on the socials. They're all right there. Nice, pretty pictures and gear. Uh, Still waiting on the fucking stubby holders. What is this? Like two fucking months now. Anyway, uh, go check it out. Click through, check out the nice, pretty shop. Help your brother Jimmy out and uh, clear out that room for when these eventual fucking renos start. Who knows when that's going to be. Anyway, let's get into some Yanars. So, with that in mind, oh, can the Nuggets be a dynasty? A dynasty? You mean dynasty? Yeah, that checks out. Yeah, nah. I mean, I just sort of laid it down, right? Yeah, they could be because of the age. Like, But dynasty for me, you have to win basically three in a row here. Or three and four, like the Warriors sort of did, but just sort of stick around to the pointy end every single year. It gets hard. It gets really hard. And with the way that the salary cap is going to be structured from here on out, it's not going to get any fucking easier. So for me, it's kind of like look, they will be right in it next year, obviously. Uh, they do have, you know. The sort of cornerstones. You've got your big man and your small man. You've got Jam Jamal Murray. You've got Nikola Jokic. You've got Aaron Gordon. You've got MPJ signed to a max deal for a bit as well. So you've got your third star-ish dude. You've got the do-everything Swiss Army Knife Aaron Gordon. You've got the 3 and D dude KCP. I like that the way they're sort of building it out, right? They've gone Christian Brown. Awesome. If we get another Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, we've got some other picks this year. They're going to build it out on the cheap. That's what they're going to have to do. I kind of like it. So can they do it again? Of course they can. Yeah, nah, yeah. Yeah, they can. Will they? Can they? Yeah, will they? I mean, they were my favorite coming in this year. Well, Denver and Milwaukee. And I kind of think that's what we'll get next year. Denver, Milwaukee. Giannis versus uh, Joker. And watch all the fucking hand-wringing about... Oh, there are too many Euros winning in the NBA. And everyone goes, shut the fuck up, you American dipshits. Right, Matty Owers. I also don't like that the owners get the trophy first. Everyone just wants to see the coach or captain, not the bloody owner of the team. Yeah, nah, yes. Oh, but they play. They paid millions to this team. Oh, did they? I don't give a fuck. Did they do any of the work? Oh, they put their hard-earned cash at stake. Did they? The blokes who are worth literally billions. Was it their blood, sweat, and tears on that fucking hardwood? Fuck off. Anyone who says that shit is a bootlicker and they're a fucking loser dork. Give it to the captain and the coach of the team to lift the fucking trophy. Not some fucking weird, decrepit, probably syphilitic, old fucking rich white dude with a hairpiece. Don't let those fucking weirdos... Lift that shit first. Fuck off out of here. Give it to the coach and the captain of the team to lift it. They achieved it. You paid for it. Fuck off. 
then you can jump in and like get the lift up and all that sort of shit. Americans are fucked in the head with that sort of shit. I hate it. Uh, Jez Oz, hey buddy, hope you're feeling okay now. Basketball's over for a while. It's a bit of a rough one, I'll tell you. We've got the draft and free agency next week, so we've got a couple more shows, and uh, then it gets pretty quiet after free agency. I have a couple of weeks worth of holidays, and then we'll get right into the World Cup, though. So be back before you know it. Oh, yes. Anyway, uh, Denver should go again with the same squad. Yeah, nah. Yeah. Of course, that's what I sort of said, right? Bruce Brown's going to be tough to keep just because he's priced himself probably out of their range, right? But their starters, Jamal, KCP, MPJ, Aaron Gordon, Joker, should be right. I think they extended KCP, which is really fucking smart. But, yeah, so they just sort of need some tweaks around the edges to replace, like, the Bruce Brown types. But Christian Brown could probably do a little bit more. you still got Reggie Jackson there. You'll have other sort of uh, veteran dudes who will come in and help out, I reckon. So, um, Jez then said, the last few years we've seen the winners tinker a little bit too much in an attempt to get better and go back-to-back, but it hasn't worked. If the Nuggets can keep the changes to a minimum, they are good enough to back it up. Yeah, they are. They really are. Like, the way in the playoffs they were able to still win the non-Joker minutes were absolutely amazing. And it's kind of like, well, if you keep Thomas Bryant, if you have, like, the DeAndre Jordan-type dude, and you just have a couple of your other young dudes and just sort of build out some of that depth, they'll be fine. But, yeah, they don't need to do anything else with, like, the starters, of course. So they're all good. Uh, Jokic, international goat. Yeah, nah. Well, two MVPs. I'd still say Dirk is the international goat uh, just because, well, he or Hakeem, but depends on how you look at Hakeem, right? Uh, so Hakeem probably first. Uh, Dirk, because I think the story and the narrative around Dirk is probably the most fascinating, right? Dirk ran so Joker could fly. That sort of shit. Because Dirk copped all the Euro, the soft Euro bullshit for years and years and years in the early thousands even when he was winning the fucking MVP and getting knocked out of the finals in 06 and then getting knocked out of the first round in 07 but the way that he persevered and won the title in 11 was just it's still fucking incredible the Dirk Nowitzki story is just amazing right so he's going to be my international goat likely until Joker probably wins like another one or two but for the moment it's uh yeah, I'd probably have Dirk. Hakeem, obviously, right there. Uh, because, I mean, the way that Hakeem Olajuwon was just sort of, I don't know, you do everything legend. <laughs> but also end up playing for America. So like, was he, he was Nigerian, I think. So um, it's just one of those ones where you go, eh, I mean, international, yes. <laughs> but also, like, the international goat, it's just a bit trickier. I'm just saying. So, because what? He was born in Lagos, Nigeria. But, look, he emigrated to go play basketball in Houston uh, at the University of Houston, right? Yeah. And so, then he is in the draft. And so, it's kind of this weird one where you go, in terms of international you sort of go, Hakeem, cool, but then ends up playing for the second dream team. I think it was the 96 Atlanta Olympics, and he's like on the US team and stuff, so it's a bit weird. <laughs> so I'll still take Dirk. Fuck it. I love Hakeem, though. But, yeah. Uh, it's a good one, though, Jez. 
Joker is on his way to being the international goat. I mean, he's still no Andrew Gaze, but, you know, here we are. Uh, number three, Adam Silver is actually Pinky in the Brain's love child with a touch of Dr. Evil and Gru or Rody the One. Yeah, nah. Um, yeah, it's probably more Pinky and the Brain. A uh, bit of Dr. Evil and uh, some Gru, a little bit, yeah. I don't mind it. The Adam Silver voice is probably my favorite thing from this entire season, though. So, Don't look at me. Wow, I don't know where the accent bit came. I don't know what we're going to do. Get back out there. There you go. There's your uh, Adam Silver. I just want to make lots of TV ratings. Okay. Thanks, Adam. Uh, but, yeah, the Adam Silver thing is kind of weird, and I love it. Still my favorite thing of this season, though. Uh, Miami should pursue a trade for Dame and another big dude. Dame, as I feel like he's the type of guy who'd buy into the culture at Miami. Yeah, nah, yeah. I feel like that lead guard position, right? Like, so Jimmy can sort of be the release valve, uh, do what he needs to when needed, but isn't the primary ball handler all the time. Just basically need a supercharged version of Kyle Lowry, you know, and you'd be fine. So whether that's Dame or somebody else, off you go. Uh, And another big dude, yeah, they sort of need that one other... Like a Kevin Lovey kind of dude, but who's not old and shit. <laughs> you know, uh, a bit of a rough one. But yeah, one other big dude that's not Kevin Love would have been pretty handy, uh, I think, in this game. Well, in this series where you could just go, oh, God, if we just had one dude that was in the rotation that kind of worked. But that's the thing. Like, you look at most of the uh, sort of teams that made it deep into the playoffs, it's like, Boston sort of had that big dude rotation where they had Time Lord and they had Al, um, but not a giant amount of other ones. I mean, outside of what, Gobert and Cat, you kind of don't have too many playable other sort of backup bigs across those sort of deep playoff teams, right? It's kind of strange. Like even, what, Denver, it was basically like Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green are a backup center throughout this sort of run. You saw Jock get out there for Phoenix. You saw a bit of Bismack Biombo. Um, but otherwise, like, yeah, the Sixers, not really too much. The Knickerbockers, not too much. So it's like sort of that, obviously, the Warriors sort of were really struggling with that sort of shit. The Mavericks, too. And like, you look at someone like the Grizzlies, and it feels like that sort of pairing is kind of like almost ideal sometimes, where you go, aha, we've got Steven Adams and we've got Triple J. Maybe that's good, and that's sort of you can chop and change that when you need to. But even then, we've seen Stephen Adams get played completely out of the rotation during playoff series, so it gets very tricky. Anyway, that's a good question. I like the idea of the uh, who should they be going for? It's probably Dame. The money gets wonky, but I mean, if you're moving Hero, moving some other stuff around, it's going to get weird. And I feel like Dame would be full on into that heat culture stuff. But. And then uh, I think the last one from Jez. Hey, listening to today's show and the nicknames for Duncan Robinson and Aaron Gordon. Both are great, but surely Carl Malone is the true predator. Yeah, nah. It's a trap. Yep, that's right. <laughs> All right, quick unpopular opinion of the day. Oh, jeez. Now look at me, please. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Brad Beal sucks. Like, oh, where's Brad Beal going to go? I don't know. It's probably not going to fucking matter. <laughs> Like, unless he gets to that sort of specific team that I've mentioned, right, where it's like we need that third guy, whether it's something like 
Maybe it's Boston. Maybe it's like Philly. Uh, maybe sort of that sort of weird switcheroo. Maybe it's Miami. It's just otherwise it's really hard to sort of figure out the exact spot where he works, fits, and would vault a team into like actual contention. Like the cost benefit, especially the price. Like this is the thing. It's such a big, it's a quarter of a billion dollar contract. Like what are we doing? Do you know how hard it's then going to be if you've already got two dudes and this is a Brad Beal guy who's not a true number one. He's like basically out there going, well, nah, I'm getting paid like a number one, so I'm a number one. You're like, are you though, Brad Beal? Are you? And that's sort of where it gets tricky because you want two other dudes who are really fucking good around him and you can't really fucking afford that if you're paying Brad Beal 43, 46, 50, 53, 57 million dollars. Right? He's got 46 this year, 50 well, 46 this coming season, 50, 53, 57. If you're going to try to slot that around two other main dudes, like you just it's going to be like you can't even go, well, we've drafted Zion. It's like Zion's already on a max. Spindles Ingram's on a max. CJ McCollum's on a shit ton of money. It's already fucking out the door. It gets really hard at that money. The cost-benefit ratio is all out of whack. Like, it's not quite Ray Allen because you pick up Ray Allen, you go, well, he's on a max-ish kind of thing, but we can trade all this shit. We'll get KG. You've got Paul Pierce already in-house. Boom, away you go. But Ray Allen was like, they got him at a discount, and I feel like that's what you'll see with the Brad Beal eventual trade. Like, you're not going to get a giant amount back for him. So, yeah. Tricky. Outback Takehouse. Thursday at our back, you know what that means? Oh yeah, two for one blooming onions. That's right, no Aussie knows what the fuck these things are. What is it? Some sort of deep fried flower looking onion. Piss off you fucking idiot yanks. Play the pull the other one. It plays fucking Alex Lloyd's amazing. It's a seminal hit. Only at our back. Blooming onions. What the fuck? Today's flame grill take is forget all the Victor Wembanyama hype. Chet Holmgren's gonna win rookie of the year, mate. Talk about another stick insect, but at least this stick insect's had a year amongst the NBA crew, has built up his body, and he's going to go absolutely hammering tongs on a really good Thunder team next year. Just saying, only at Outback. To be honest, I don't mind that. Chet Holmgren, Rookie of the Year. Let's go. Uh, Andrew Gay's Grand Mumber Award for Outstanding Achievement in the Field of Excellence. Andrew Gay's Grey Mumber Clap it up. There you go. Uh, I absolutely love just that simple idea of the Joker having the most uh, playoff triple-doubles in a single playoff run ever. Amazing. It's also the simple idea of like, the active players with 10-plus triple-doubles in the playoffs right now. It's like LeBron, Joker, Rusty Westbrook, and randomly enough, Draymond, which is kind of fun. Uh, but still, we sort of got to this point where Joker was just that good. You're like, hang on. Wait a minute. How good is Jam Jamal Murray? Well, as I sort of said, right? Players with a with four plus fifteen point ten assist games in a single final series. So four plus. It's Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and Jam and Jamal Murray. Oh bro, that's pretty fucking good, eh? <laughs> 
And the only players to ever average a career 10-plus assist in the finals are Magic Johnson and Jamal Murray now. So, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. They were pretty good. All right, what about a Patty Mills game day ball again today? Twitter check in. Let's do it. What's Patty been up to? He was over in Italy. So, we'll see if he's been up to anything else. Doesn't look like it. Let's check in with Jock Landale then. Jock Landale's out there getting the shots up. Looks good. Crushing it. Bang. Just nailing three after three after three. Let's go, the rooster. Better be hitting those FIBA threes ready for the World Cup, mate. Love it. I'm going to run through a brick wall right now. All right. Uh, draft. Uh, before, we'll actually do a bit of a draft show at the start of next week. Uh, very quick, obviously, early blush gear is that you're finally seeing the, uh, the talk turn to scoot at number two again after everyone's like, Brandon Miller. Maybe he's actually not that good. And uh, everyone's sort of seen Scoot Henderson up close a little bit more. Off we go. It's going to be pretty gnarly. Uh, it would be crazy if the Hornets went, right, we're taking Scoot Henderson and Lamello, and I would love it. Because then you'd have just so many rumors about what's going to happen, how's it going to work. I kind of feel like both of them could work at the same time, but I don't feel like it's the best allocation of resources if you're the Hornets. And if you think Brandon Miller can be like Jason Tatum, then fucking go after him, right? But I don't know. I still just think what they should be doing is uh, taking Brandon Miller. The Blazers can take Scoot at three, trade Dame and feel good about everything. Uh, but otherwise, in terms of the quick mock draft gear, it's Wemby one, obviously. Brandon Miller two for the Hornets. I would... I wouldn't be surprised if somebody maybe traded up or tried to trade up with the Hornets for number two if the Hornets aren't sold on Miller to maybe even take Scoot ahead of the Blazers. But the tricky part is trying to figure out who that is, whether it be Houston or New Orleans trying to jump up. Just something like that, something weird, something wacky. Orlando, all I want for them is to take uh, Grady Dick so then we could have the Suggs Dick uh, backcourt. Give me that. That's right. Jalen Suggs and Grady Dick. Forever, the Suggs dick backcourt. Uh, it's just going to be a weird sort of wobbly drop-off after that one, two, three, because you've got Amen and Osa, Osa, Osa Thompson. You've got Jerace Walker, Anthony Black, uh, obviously Grady Dick, but um, Cam Whitmore, the Nova kid. It's going to be tricky. It's going to be weird, and you'll sort of see over the next few days, which is why I don't want to talk about anything really draft until I think we'll do a show on Tuesday. It'll be draft and uh, free agency sort of related. But at the moment, I feel like you'll see the Thompson Twins. <laughs> I fucking love the Thompson Twins. Probably go like that four through seven range, like depending on which one, like who likes Orsa and who likes Amen. Um, the thing is like Houston pick four. And like if you're going to get fucking James Harden back, like what are you doing? Should you be trading the four? Probably. Who can they get for the four? What are they going to look at? So that's where it gets really interesting for me. Detroit, they'll probably just want their pick of any sort of forward-ish kind of dude uh, to pair with their backcourt. The Pacers, they just need a big banger. They should go get bangers, Baines. Uh, but yeah, it's going to get weird. It's going to get wonky. And there's sort of names out there like Jordan Hawkins from UConn and stuff like that. You remember Nick Smith as well. Uh, the Nets have a couple of picks late where you'll probably see them package those up to move up to like I don't know, the 14-15 spot. I reckon we might see the Pelicans move their pick. Um, 
and try to package it with other futures to sort of either move up or try to get somebody. It's going to get weird. It's going to get wonky. It's going to be awesome, and I can't wait for next Friday. So in over a week's time, we'll have a uh, big old draft thing. It's going to be awesome. But, yeah, for next week, probably next Tuesday will be our next show, and we'll do some draft and some free agency. But there you go. The Denver Nuggets won the NBA title. Feeling good, feeling great. Should we look at a couple of odds for next year? I think we should. Because why not? The first blush odds for next year. You little beauty. Uh, The NBA, next year, I believe... Championship is five fifty for the Denver Nuggets, six bucks for the Celtics, six bucks for the Bucks. That is not great value for those three. The Nuggets at five fifty. If it's over six, I'd be all right. Eight for the Suns, fourteen for the Warriors, fifteen for the Sixers, eighteen for the Lakers, twenty for the Heat. I'll tell you who's good value there: the Cavs at twenty three. Don't mind that. The Kings at forty six dollars. Jeez. Uh, but the Nuggets at five fifty. I mean, who was going to beat them in the West this year? Oh, and anybody going? Oh, they had an easy run to the finals. Fuck off. Oh, they had to beat the Lakers, a seven seed, and then an eight seed. It's like whatever. They also beat the piss out of a Suns team with like Durant and Booker. They kicked the shit out of a. They kicked the shit out of everybody as well. So like if you beat, the, if they went to seven games with all those teams, maybe you'd have a bit of a problem. But otherwise, fuck off. All right, that's it for today, and that's it. No skid or anything after this one. I've got to go uh, help out old mate with the squids. Um, but how do we end up on the rest of the picks for the end of the playoffs? Well, pretty good in the end. Uh, we went 40 or 78 for the playoffs. And I think for the entire season, 745 of 12-15. So pretty good. Three or six in the plans, too. Oh, not bad, bro. Not bad. Either way, we'll be back on Tuesday next week, I reckon, um, for a bit of draft chatter and some free agency gear. If anything else crazy pops off, obviously we might jump on tomorrow or Monday, but that's only if something fucking nutso happens, like a big trade or some shit. But otherwise, we'll see you then. NBA Australia, check us out on, what, Twitter, Face IG, we're all over the socials. NFL Australia, myself and Gaz. Uh, you can hear me every day on CodeBet Daily as well, talking all things, all sports. Uh, NBAstraight.com slash shop. Get your merch, get your merch. Chuck us a rating review on your podcast app. Go on, do it. It helps out heaps. It'd be very much appreciated by your mate, Jim. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, whatever app you use, I don't care. Just help a brother out. Uh, big thanks go to From Oslo for the intro and outro song and to House Hats, Joshua Delarantis, Fascinated, Goldmine, Ramshackle Army, Iowa, Sex I Green, 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 and Dozers for all the tunes you hear throughout the show. Smash them all on Bandcamp, Triple J and Earth. Face the Apple Music, Spotify. Remember, NBA Australia Sports Australian Bands. Speaking of which, I'll be at Area 7 at the Tote on Friday. That's going to be gnarly. Uh, so if you're there, come say good day. I'll be the guy with the big red beard. And the Community Cup in Melbourne on Sunday at Vic Park. Me and the Squids and Old Mate will be there cheering on the footy. Should be great. Can't wait. All right, that's it. Uh, we'll chuck a cooking with Baines on the end of this one, and we will catch you on Tuesday next week, you dickheads. Have a good weekend. Congrats to the Nuggets. Speak to you next week. This is NBA Australia saying look after yourselves, would you? And later, Hosen. The worst of Cooking with Bainsey is filmed in front of a live studio audience.
And now it's time for everyone's favorite Aussie cooking show. It is Cooking with Bainsy with your host, Aaron Bangers Bangs. Oh, <laughs> all right, all right. Settle down, you lot. Come on. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, g'day, g'day. Oh, welcome to Cooking with Bainsy. I'm your host, Aaron Bangers Bains, eh? So, look, all oh, right, settle down over there. Oh, look at you on your Margaret. All right, so in this here episode of Cooking with Bainsy, we're going to fang up one of my absolute favourite Australian dishes, one that's absolutely perfect for a night in or if you're having mates over. It is that absolute Aussie staple, bloody shrimp pad thai. That's right, pad thai is probably top five Aussie dishes all time, mate. I, I cook them at least twice a week. It's full of all the good stuff you need to keep up a physique like this one. <laughs> there we go. Lots of protein and noodles and everything. It's bloody perfect. So all you need to do, it's bloody simple, mate. You go down to your soupy, you grab some pad thai noodles, some veggie oil, a thing of garlic, a couple of eggs, a bit of soy sauce, a lime, some brown sugar, a thing of fish sauce, a red chili, a bunch of spring onions, a bunch of coriander or cilantro, as these yanks call it over here, and like a handful of unsalted peanuts. Right, and then you go over to your fishmonger as well, as well, Vasily is my bloke, and get a big bag of prawns and get in the shell them for you. You don't need the shells, mate. Come on, get rid of them. All right, so get all that and let's get started. All right, so you cook your noodles in a pot of boiling water for about 10 minutes. Then you drain them and chuck them over there. Then you bang two teaspoons of the veggie oil in your pan. Now you slice up and cook a clove of the garlic in, a, in there. Chuck that in there. There you go for a couple of minutes. And on the side, whisk up two eggs. There you go. Whisk them up all nice and smooth. Yeah, there you go. Now bang them in there. Just chuck them in that. Oh, look at that go. And when they're cooked, put them aside as well. And then in a bowl, you mix up your one and a half teaspoons of soy sauce, your two tablespoons of lime juice, your two tablespoons of sugar, a teaspoon of your fish sauce, and about half of your red chili. All chopped up. Look at that. Nice. Chuck that all in there together and mix that all up in your bowl. Now cook your prawns. Just chuck them on there. You can probably cook them on your barbie if you want, but just put them in a pan. Doesn't matter. Now, while you're doing that, grab a tin while they cook. Don't be a Nancy and just wait until they're done. Oh, look at them cook. Oh, that is a beaut, isn't it? So once they're all done and cooked, pour all that sauce into your skillet with the scrambled egg bit and chuck your noodles in and toss it around just to coat everything up. Sprinkle your spring onions that's all chopped up and your coriander and your peanuts. Just chuck them on top, toss it around a bit and bam, you're done. Unbloody believable. Chuck a lime wedge on top of that a bit of a cilantro or coriander along the top, and Bob is your bloody uncle, mate. Voila. Bam. You're done. An absolute bloody pearl of a pad thai. And look, you can fucking chuck chicken and shit in there as well if you want, but I go with the traditional Aussie recipe of prawns. And all right, how easy was that? That is an absolute beautiful-looking batch of pad thai that your missus and the family will love. Now I reckon I'm going to go get stuck into these, eh? And uh, you know what? That's it for this week. Tune in next week for a new recipe, and we'll see you then on the next episode of Cooking with Bainsy.